So Neville is, Neville's coming to share with us this morning, uh, right from this Sunday, right up until Advent. I know that seems a long way away, even how dare you even mention that, uh, Christmas. But from now until Advent, the 27th of November, we're going to look at, uh, I suppose, some things that are really foundational as, uh, as a follower of Jesus, really foundational as um, what it is to, to follow and worship God. And, and so the next 12 weeks, I think, are going to be really good fun. We're going to be relying on the Bible, but we're also going to be relying on tradition. We have thousands of years of tradition that have gone before us, and we're going to be going back and uh, gathering wisdom and from that, and also experience. People have with different experiences of the Holy Spirit and of church and of justice. And, and so we're going to be leaning heavily on all of those things over the next 12 weeks. But intentionally, uh, in a way, this morning, we, Neville's going to start off with Jesus. And on the, on the 12th week, I am going to finish with Jesus. And we do that in a way to, to, to say that, as Colossians says, um, in him, everything is before him. And in him, all things hold together. And so we'll, we'll start today with Jesus and we'll end with Jesus and everything will be held together. And so when we talk about the church, when we talk about the spirit, when we talk about justice, when we talk about baptism, when we talk about the Lord's table, it's going to be Jesus that holds it all together. And, um, and so of all of the different voices and all the different thoughts and different expressions that you'll hear over the next 12 weeks, I hope you'll, uh, you'll know that, that Jesus is the one that holds it all together. So Neville, come on. And um, Father, I thank you so much for Neville. Um, I thank you for one who uh, evidently knows you, has experienced you, and lives out your ways. And we thank you for him this morning. And I pray that you would use him as he serves us. Um, bless him, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. It's, uh, it's really good. Um, um, I've actually been longer away than Neil, so I think I should get a better welcome back than, than he should, because it's like a couple of weeks since we've been here. And, and again, I don't want this to ever sound like it's something that I always say, but the, the chance to stay, be in the one room together and sing together to Jesus and about Jesus um, really always warms my soul. And there's maybe days that I'm standing there and I don't really feel like that, um, but there's something when we collectively do that together, when you look across the room and maybe see somebody singing their heart out or somebody raising their hands or somebody um, just crying out before the Lord, there's something that spurs us one another on um, and that. Let me first of all start out this morning by saying a huge thank you to everyone who's been praying for Alan. And I want to do that publicly because uh, it's one thing doing it on WhatsApp, but, but it's, it's just that public um, face-to-face -face thing where we've been praying for this young man, 23 years of age, uh, a couple of months ago, just hurled into sickness, and uh, his life completely changed. And, um, and yesterday I was walking, um, I was walking through uh, Armagh, and someone stopped me and said to me, how's Alan? And... Um, 
and, and I couldn't believe that they had heard about the story of Alan, but I automatically thought about my twin brother, Alan, and I was like, why, what's wrong with him? But it's the Alan that we have been praying for. And um, uh, I'm also very aware that, that that isn't always the story. Prayer always isn't answered the way we think it is. Um, and so I'm conscious of that uh, also. That some, but, but we pray anyway, don't we? We pray anyway. We pray God's best for people. And so Alan, the next big milestone for Alan is this week is for him to get home, just back to his home house. He's, he's a home bird. And so for those of you who are home birds, he's been away from his home maybe three months now. And, um, and uh, so he's looking, looking to that. Um, I'm kicking off today about Jesus um, and really excited about doing that. And I'm really excited about doing that because a couple of weeks ago, William stood here or sat here with Neil and he said he wanted just in his talk to make much about Jesus. And that's really what our lives need to be is... Um, made much, well, that's what we want our lives to do, is to really make much about Jesus. Foundational to all of our foundations is this relationship with Jesus. And, um, and I'm, I'm straight off my notes, so you're all in danger zone, uh, so I better get back to them or I'll, you, you'll be here forever. Um, it's been great over the last couple of months having the chance just to listen to one another. And, and that really kicked off for me, the listening to one another, is when we were doing our, our book, the book by Rick Hill, um, The uh, Deep Roots of Resilient Discipleship. And, and in that time, um, Neil, you're squinting, did I get the title of that book right? Deep, the deep roots, the deep roots of resilient discipleship. Anyway, in that time, um, what I found was really, really good was we went and we read the chapter, and then we all pulled out pieces of what really spoke to us, or what we were wrestling with, or what we were thinking about, and it really gave us a chance to to um, to listen to one another. And oftentimes in Christendom, we're so busy, we're so busy flying along. That and we're so busy taking in outside information and, and reading the latest novel and the book that we forget to actually listen to the people in the room, the people that we're actually doing life with. We get to know each other really well in that listening. And for me, in that time of listening, I find my faith is always stirred. We're always encouraged to, to go after more of God. And, uh, and sometimes even in that listening, um, um, your thoughts are formed. You know, I, I, was, I was having this conversation with Lila this morning. Um, uh, I always had a frustration with being up the North Coast. Um, and I could never figure out what, what it was. And the fact is that Lila explained her frustration with the North Coast with me. You're always getting into the car and going somewhere. And it doesn't really feel like you're on holidays because you're always packing the car. Even though you're up there, you're always packing the car to go somewhere. You're packing the car to go somewhere else. And it just doesn't feel like, you know, when you're on holidays, sitting beside a pool and, and all that sort of stuff. And so words are formed uh, when we listen to each other. And, um, and I suppose as I've listened to 
different people who have came and shared with us. We had Mary and Drew, and they were out at the castle and what God's doing with them. And, and then we had some interviews here, which were great, and, and what God's doing uh, in people. I, I just got this sense that God is repositioning people. And God is in the business. I was reminded, I think I've just been reminded that God is in the business of repositioning lives. He takes us and he plants something within us that causes us to move towards his kingdom and to what he has actually called us to be. And so for the summer, for me, or the last couple of weeks, not actually the summer because we had so many things going on in, in July, for the last couple of weeks, for me, I've had the chance just to sit back a wee bit, relax, and sort of reflect on um, a few things. And, and so what I'm going to share this morning is hinged actually back when we studied Ephesians. Um, way back, how far ago was that? Is that like April? Start of the year, yeah. See how slow of a processor I am. Um, and I remember when we read that, I was stricken, uh, struck by the words, in him, in the first two chapters of Ephesians. In him, um, oh man, there's so, so much that you could, you could look at in that, um, and so much we've already sang this morning. In him, fear is gone. In him, um, um, he starts off in that chapter by saying, in him we are blessed. We are blessed in him, uh, as Paul writes this letter. We are adopted in him as sons and daughters. Who is this him that we are talking about? This is Jesus. And so um, I want to title our morning, and, and thanks to Paul for doing Really good graphics and everything. But um, ask David just to, to do this for me yesterday. And I, I just want us to think about repositioned. Because we are a people, for those of us who love and follow Jesus, we are repositioned in him. Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. And I suppose I'm just sharing the thoughts with you of how I'm being challenged to think about this new position in him, being repositioned in him. For those of you who know me really well, you know that I love the Psalms. Uh, and I probably couldn't do a speak without mentioning the Psalms somewhere along the way. David, who wrote most of the Psalms, was a, was a man who was anointed as king, as a young boy. He had the stamp upon his life. But it didn't mean that he was outside difficulties, outside trials, outside times of pressure. And, um, and so I've been reading a wee bit over the last couple of weeks on... on um, on David's life. I take notions and I'll, I'll read a section and then I'll read another section and then I'll read another section. As I say, he faced many times of hardship and there was many times even he made poor choices. 
And so where I found myself reading was 1 Samuel 26, 27, 28, 29, and 30. And, um, and tune over those chapters for the last um, couple of weeks, as I said. And in those chapters, life seems to be going nowhere for David. He's got this big promise upon his life that one day he is going to be king. And where he's living in this stage of his life, he's fleeing from Saul, he's living in a cave, he's in the country of the man he killed, the Philistine, he's hiding and life is going nowhere. Ever had a promise on your life and it seems like it's going nowhere? And there's so much, so, so long that we can all live with that. But after a while, I think it gets to wear you down. And even in the midst of these chapters, we read, maybe you want to take time to read them. I'm not going to take time today. But maybe, you know, as you do read them, what David tries to do in all of his steps in these chapters, he tries to do what's honorable and right. Not just before men, but before God. And, and uh, on many occasions, he could have took Saul out. Many occasions, he could have settled the score. Many occasions, he could have even been justified for what, he'd, what, what, he, what he could have done in those chapters. But he decides to do what's right. And then this break comes for him, and he has this opportunity to fight with the foreign armies against Saul and the army of God. He has this opportunity, and maybe he thinks to himself, this is my big break. And so he goes to the battle line, he's already just worn out, and he's like, this could be my big break. This could be it. This could be where life could change for me. And he arrives at the battle lines, and the other armies say, no, David, you and your armies cannot fight with us. Go home. And that, I don't know whether you've ever been at the, at the place where you've been picked for a team and you're ready to stand and play with that team and then someone says to you, sorry, you haven't made the scratch. Do the walk of shame back to the line. And he has to travel three days home and he travels three days home to his town. I'm telling you the story in, in just as light as I can, but it was probably um, a lot more detail needed. But he travels three days home and to find that his village has been completely wiped out. Everything that they have built up, everything that they have gained, everything that he has accumulated, his, his possessions, all the soldiers' possessions, all wiped out and stolen and taken away by the foreign armies. And it, life was, not was bad enough before this happened, but when this happened, this was an all-time low. To add insult to injury, I hope you know what that, mean, that means. If you're, if you're from Ireland, you'll know what that means. But to add insult to injury, his soldiers turn on him and say to him, what have you done, David? Where are you leading us? You are not fit to be king. I could go into the whole fact of he didn't pull out his certificate of anointing and 
He didn't, you know, make a speech. I've killed a lion and a bear. I've killed Goliath, guys. Give me a break here. He didn't do any of that. He didn't justify himself in any way. But we're getting to the point. We're getting to the point. We read in, in um, verse, where is it? Um, verse 6 of 1 Samuel 30. We read this. Jesus, or David strengthened himself in the Lord. And it was the turning point for David's life. He goes off and strengthens himself in the Lord. And, and, and it's that in God, in Jesus, that keeps, there's something about that that keeps drawing me, keeps pulling me, even when we're singing this morning, you know, in Christ, in him, that keeps pulling my attention. David writes later on in his life, I was reading this yesterday actually, in, just in my reflections, in Psalm 91, he writes at a later stage in his life, maybe as he looks back over his life, he says, in you, O Lord, I put my trust. There's another thing that I have enjoyed over the summer or over the last couple of weeks is reading the Gospels. What's, you know, sometimes we hear these words, Gospel. What does that mean? Well, basically, those first four books of the New Testament, the stories of Jesus, and then maybe on into acts of how the disciples lived out this new passion as they followed Jesus. I've loved, and, and I suppose, and I don't want to say this lightly, but I have loved falling in love with Jesus again. I really don't want to say that lightly. But sometimes our lives are so crammed with everything else. And everything else is pulling for our attention. And, and, and there's even a need within us that we need to pile on some more information, more and more information, that we forget to reflect upon who this is all for and who this is all with. It's with Jesus it's with Jesus. And I, I, I just wanted, when, when William said that a couple of weeks ago, I just wanted to say, come on, boy. Let's make much of the name of Jesus. Jesus transforms lives. He transforms lives. And uh, I don't think we all have to go too far so that, to know that, to see that, that he has the power to transform lives. He's not, but he's not alone our rescuer. And he's not alone our transform, transformer. But in the, in the New Testament, as you read the stories, he actually wanted to leave a pathway for us to follow. He didn't want to leave us help, helpless. He also gave us the Holy Spirit that would, would help us and guide us. But in, in, in John 15, verse 5, I read this the week before last. Again, this word in. Um, Jesus says this. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you abide in me. And I in you, you will bear much fruit. And, I, and, and maybe, maybe it's the age I'm getting to. I don't know. Nigel and I can have a conversation because we're 
we're kind of tipping the same way, but you get to an age in life where you're like, you start to reflect. You start to look back a wee bit and say, what is the fruit of my life? What, what does that look like? What does that look like? But Jesus goes on to say in verse 16, the fruit that you will produce is fruit that will last or that will remain or that will be another translation is long lasting. We are called to abide in him, the person of Jesus. We are called to abide in. We are called to abide in more than the ink of these pages. We are called to have a relationship with Jesus. And just at the end, I will share just five things that I have found helpful over the summer as I endeavor to do that. Um, we are called, Ephesians 3 tells us, for those of us in Christ, we are called into this mystery. Something different that really cannot be explained by words, but can be more revealed as we um, abide in him, as we journey with him, as we seek uh, his face. Colossians 2, 7, someone shared it, I don't know when. As I say, I'm a slow processor. But someone shared it maybe a couple of months ago and says, as you have received Christ, continue to walk in him. Continue to be rooted in him. Continue to be built up in him. Continue to have your faith established in him. And you'll overflow with kindness. Um, or overflow with thankfulness, another translation says. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ. Hear that word again, in Christ, in him, to do good works which God has prepared uh, for us to do, uh, prepared in advance for us to do. And so God is not alone. Jesus has not alone redeemed us. And he's not alone with us on the journey. But he also has prepared for us things that he wants us to be, um, to be involved in. And as, as, as I have reflected upon Jesus, as I have reflected upon Jesus, I cannot think about how patient he is towards me because I know me and how many times I get it wrong how merciful he is we, we, we sang that this morning how merciful he is to me even when I get it wrong even when I'm far away from him even when I'm like those disciples that Neil shared about a couple of weeks ago and they're, they're walking off in the wrong direction and he walks off of them. Even when I'm walking away in the wrong direction, he's still showing love and kindness. Shane and Shane, so I can, so I can um, uh, be in with the hip 
bunch of worshippers that are today. Shane and Shane sing a great song. William, we're there, aren't we? With Shane and Shane. Um, but uh, Shane and Shane sing a song about mercy. My sin is great, but his mercy is so much more. So much more. Um, I don't deserve it. And, uh, and his kindness, how his kindness towards me has changes and continually changes the pathway of my life. In him, our shame is gone. We've already talked about that. There's no shame. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, 17, we're new creations. The old is passed away. When we're in Christ, the old has passed away. That means your past doesn't dictate what your future is going to look like. You know, when I'm in him, my perspective on current difficulties and struggles is changed. How I view those things are changed when I'm in him and abide in him. And, I, and we can have this confidence, even though the trial's great, even though the difficulties are great, we can have this confidence. One is that he is working it all out. He's the one who holds the keys. He's the one who has made the pathway. And the second thing is that he will complete the work that he has started and he has asked us, invited us in to be um, part of. When Christ is central in our lives, we're not alone transformed, but also the lives around us are changed. Ever, ever been with a person who you just know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Christ is central to every part of their being? Ever been with that type of person? Ever come away from that type of person? Um, I've just found that there's an excitement. There's a, there's a something that makes me want to long for more of Jesus. And so I'm near finished. Um, I know David says that many times and then speaks on for another 20 minutes. But anyway, I'm joking you. I'm joking you, David. I, I, I so appreciate um, what you share. But there's a couple of things, five things that I have found helpful just with me. And uh, maybe in leaving those, um, uh, that'll do. I find that slowing down is important. Slowing down and being intentional to set time aside to, um, to reflect, to listen, and to pray. We started off the week on Tuesday, and it feels like I've done a month's work already. It just took off. And, and if you're not intentional, and I'm going to start this season by being intentional about carving out some time just to reflect, to listen, and to pray. Prayer, I would love to share more on prayer, but prayer is amazing. Prayer is, oh, prayer does so many things. 
But one thing it does is it, it aligns um, our hearts with his. And uh, Elizabeth Elliot has a quote. Uh, Daniel's going to put it up. Um, and um, again, I read this a couple of weeks ago. Prayer lays hold of God's plan and becomes the line between his will and its accomplishment on earth. And, uh, and, and we could talk so much more about prayer. But taking time to, to reflect, to listen. Listen to the stories around me. Um, the second thing is, and um, I think we all do it, maybe some of us more than others, but stop comparing myself to others. When you sit down and think about this, I can with 100% certainty know that all the plans God has for each of our lives are all going to be different. And so why compare ourselves to others when it's not the pathway that God has? Um... The third thing is read the stories of Jesus in the New Testament. Because in reading those stories, there's a joy and an excitement that I've found has been created in me again. And there's two things that happen in that. One is I am reminded who I am following. Oftentimes we forget who we're following and what this is all about. Um, and we don't do it intentionally. And the second thing is, is the kingdom that we're called to be, asked to be involved in. We are invited in. God has a plan and a purpose and he wants us to be partners with him in that. The fourth thing is tricky. This one's a tricky one. Be about God's business. Now, especially if you're a busy person, you can be about everybody's business and lots of business. But be about God's business. And sometimes the tricky thing is where that's concerned is sometimes we can be over busy and then sometimes we can be so self-centered that we don't see God's business around us at all. We're so centered on what we think the business is. But be about God's business. And that's going to take a wee bit of time to work that out. The fifth thing is be with like-minded people. Be with people who are passionate about Jesus. Passionate about his kingdom. Passionate about seeing um, communities, homes, lives transformed by the power of Jesus. Be with people who are not afraid to count the cost in that because there is a cost uh, to be paid. Sometimes that cost can be discomfort and sometimes that cost can be far more than that. And so as we end our time, I suppose I just want to end with this one line from Paul. Paul is given an address in Acts 17 before Greeks and Gentiles. And he's, he's trying to explain to them 
and he, he's trying to explain to them about Jesus. He's trying to explain to them about the transformation that's happened in his life. And he says this word, in him, um, in him we live and move and have our being. And if you're, if you're a friend of mine and you've heard me talk, you've probably heard me use that line before um, recently. In him we live. In him we move. And in him we have our being. And that's an open invitation. That's an open invitation to all. To be in him. And then it's an open invitation to walk in him. To be rooted in him. To be established in him. And I suppose in this season, in this season as we move into what, what's probably going to be a busy enough season. Let's face it, life's busy. We try and cut out as much as we can, but it is busy. But as we move into this season, all I can say is, this is what I want to aspire to do, to be. And I'm very aware in my own abilities, I can't do that. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to help me. In him. Let's be totally found in him. The cornerstone, the rock, the redeemer, the friend, the savior, the king, the one who is going to return. Amen. Good stuff. Thanks, Nev. Um, yeah, hopefully, if you have been listening, you'll have, something will have sparked. And I love it that, um, that over the next 12 weeks especially, uh, thinking about some of the things that Neville has shared. Um, and I noticed he was talking about like slowing down to be intentional around prayer. But I, I'd encourage you that over the next number of Sundays that you would be willing and bold enough maybe to, to pull somebody aside or arrange a coffee to slow down and be intentional about just where you're going, where you're at. And I think it's really important, Neville saying about stop comparing yourself to others. So much good stuff that he said, but I just want to mention that briefly. Because I, th I think the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he, he goes with uh, this incredible transfiguration moment uh, with Peter, James, and John at the top of the mountain. And he's with them there, and he walks with them there. And as Neville's already alluded to, the story of the two disciples on the, on the road to Emmaus, walking away from Jerusalem, walking away from God, and he equally shows up there. He equally shows up with all of his grace and his mercy and kindness and walks with them as they walk away from him. He's as present and as loving and as kind in those moments as he is in the mountaintop moments. And I think some of it, you need to know that. Just because you're maybe in a place of disillusionment or fear, as David's already alluded to, that you feel like he's almost hidden. And I'd love it that you'd be bold enough to get into a conversation with somebody and just know that he is with you no matter what stage and that 
mountain, the, the valley that you're on. And, um, and so I'm, I'm really looking forward to just Jesus being the one that threads and pulls all of what we're going to share over the next number of weeks together. And I love it that we all felt like we were part of that. So next, next week we're going to talk about the Bible. And it could be really interesting. It could be fun. If I'm bold enough to say some stuff, it's going to be fun. Um, but, I, but I just love it. Everybody, because we all come with different lenses. We all come with different things. And I love everybody to feel welcome. I love everybody to feel that there is a place for them here uh, in whatever uh, subject, whatever topic we're engaging in. So that's where we're going to go next week. So Father, bless us as we go. Thank you for Neville. Thank you for what he shared. Um, thank you for his vulnerability. Thank you for his insight and the things that, that have helped him learn and grow. God, we take hold of them today. We receive them and we pray that help us to uh, just apply what, what's needed, where it's needed. Um, Father, we thank you for the kids. Thank you for the, the ones up in the, in the room with Amy. Thank you for the little ones in with, um, with Alison and Judith. Thank you for the bigger ones that are in with us now. Thank you for all of us, all, everyone part of the family this morning. Bless this community. Bless those that, that serve the, this community. Thank you for every other church in this place. Thank you for every other organization and business. And we thank you for the school. Pray that you would bless them all. And um, pray that you would encourage us this day, this week. Um, just recognize how we need to abide in you. And we leave with that ringing in our ears this morning. So we love you and we thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you all. Have a great week. See you soon.